Hello everyone, this is Down the Rabbit Hole with Abigail, Abby, and Annie, and today we're going to be talking about the Raven's Book, Rabbits. So we each have a different story from a rabbit to tell each other, and we don't know the other one's story, so it's going to be a little interesting, and you'll be here for all of it. So I think Annie's going to tell her story first. So I was researching a while for someone to find a story on but I ended up coming to a story in her from her name is her name's I don't really know how to pronounce it that well but her name is Wanda Kolzik Rosevich I think so we're gonna good. go with that, that was good we don't I know don't Polish, speak Polish so. yeah um so Wanda was born on June 13th 1922 in Warsaw and that's where she lived with her husband um until they were both arrested in December of 1940 um, so Wanda was imprisoned in Powiak, which I don't really know where that is, probably some old one, but, um, <laughs> however, her husband was deported to Auschwitz and he was killed. So she never saw him ever again. Um, but she sent, she spent nine months, um, imprisoned and six of those months she was, um, in solitary confinement. So she didn't have any human interaction for about six months. Um, so she had to do like a series of interrogations where she was tortured um, while she was in prison until she was taken to Ravensbrook on September 23, 1941. Um, she was actually taken there on the Warsaw Lublin transport, which was a transport of prisoners with death sentences. So she was taken there to die, but she ended up surviving, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, so when she got there, there was a doctor, her name was Zoja Maska, and she was a doctor there. And she noticed that when the girls came in the first time to like the operation room, she noticed that they were all very young and healthy. So she was really confused why they were being brought there because they all looked just fine. <clears throat> um, but anyway, different doctors started giving all these girls this liquid that would turn their faces yellow they didn't know what it was. They were just supposed to drink it. So they would give them this liquid and then they would send them back to the barracks and that was it. No like information on what they were being given, like just drink this. And so they did. But after drinking it, they were um, all becoming very weak and they were giving um, this sleeping supplement called Betcart. Um, so they were just really weak and sleepy all the time. Um, so then two days after that, they were taken back to the camp hospital where they were starting operations on the women. So Wanda specifically, her leg was cut into and it was infected pretty badly, but six, so then she went back and they didn't do anything to her for six weeks, but six weeks later, the same wound was cut into again. Um, and she doesn't know exactly what was happening, what they were doing to her. Cause for whatever reason, I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know, just, but you, you don't know what's yeah, going right. on. Right. You know, I mean, they're not doctors. They're not going to tell you what they're doing. Mm -hmm. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, she, but she assumes that they were doing something to her bones. They, she thinks that they cut out pieces of the bone in her leg and put something in that place. Like we know we talked about how like they would put wood chips or like paper, or, you know, all this sort of. I think that I found that a lot is that a lot of them mm -hmm. had like bone damage. Yeah. I think that was the case with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but she, anyway, she thinks that they cut out pieces of her bone and put something in place and then covered it with periosteum. Um, 
So then Wanda, after that, suffered a super high fever, and she was so, so sick, and she was just weak and constantly, like, I noticed when I was researching researching her, like, the thing that she said she, like, suffered from the most was she was just so thirsty, which I thought was kind of odd, because, I mean, they're, like, I mean, weakness, fever, but no, like, the biggest thing for her was she, she was just really thirsty, but they didn't give them hardly anything to drink, so... She had a friend in the camp. Her name is Janina, Janina Iwanska, but they called her Nina. Um, and she was also one that they would operate on. But um, Nina would look after Wanda and nurse her, even though Nina was in the same position. But Nina had surgery on her legs from her thighs to her ankles. So it was even like <clears throat> more than what Wanda had suffered. Um, so she had these super long cuts down her legs and she was just as exhausted as everyone else. But Nina would actually stand on her, excuse me, Nina would actually stand on her one good leg and walk around banging on doors, asking if anyone had anything to drink for Wanda um, because she was so thirsty. But I mean, no one would respond. No one would share anything, even if they did have stuff. So after everything I saw, I read this, I thought this was really incredible. But later on, after all this had happened, Wanda asked Nina, like, why did you run around and care for me when you were? just as or even like in worse of a condition like as I was and um, Nina responded you know you were sick yourself um, or I thought you sorry that's what um, Wanda asked Nina you were sick yourself why did you help uh, help me like this and Nina just said because I thought you were dying so I mean that's what everyone did they're like even we they tried to help each other even though they were in the same position as everyone so um, but several died of gas gangrene, which is just death of body tissue, which makes sense because of how horribly they were operated on. So Wanda said she didn't see anything like personally, like, but like they just looked horrible, you know, like everyone was contorted, some were paralyzed, some were hemorrhaging. So, um, you know, it was just a lot of bad stuff that they saw there. But finally, in February 1945, um, well, and um, well, in April 1945, that's when she left the camp on an evacuation transport. But in February of 1945, the camp authorities decided to liquidate the rapids. Um, so Wanda was actually hiding in a block of mentally ill patients trying to avoid death. But then she was eventually, um, like two months later, she left the camp on an evacuation transport with some of her other friends that she had made in the camp. So after the war, she started working at a pharmaceutical company where she met her future husband, and then she later had two sons. And as far as I know, I think she's still alive today. I didn't find anything about an obituary or anything. So I think she's still alive, which she would probably be pretty old, which I think yeah, is yeah. really incredible. It is. How it's, much they went through. It's really impressive how many of the rabbits survived right. because like, near the end they just wanted to get rid of their war crimes which right. would have been those girls and the fact mm -hmm. that so many are still here is insane yeah, yeah. and that just the community that they created like mm -hmm. i know a lot of them like you said she would knock on doors and nobody would say anything but the fact that nina would like go around and like mm -hmm. she was like i thought you were dying so I, that was even mm -hmm. though i was almost dying mm -hmm. too you know i tried to do everything like I can. she just, would hobble around on her one good leg yeah i think the connection yeah. and the friendships and mm -hmm. like i said the community like they would really just, do anything for each other because to an extent, I guess. Like, yeah. But what they've been through is like bonded right. a lot of them. That's true. Right. It's one of those things where you can't 
like do you can only do so much for yourself but then to see someone you love hurting it like it's that extra boost you know yeah yeah so that's my story the one that, that was i really found. good okay so i'm gonna go next i had zozia polowowska um I'm just going to stop there trying to say her name. Um, so she was born on March 3rd in 1920 in Kharkov, Ukraine. Um, but it was really not good in the Ukraine. They had a civil war going on and everybody was starving and just poor. And so her family was lucky enough to get out of that and they moved to Poland. Um, she really liked it there. It was, She thought it was beautiful. She always talked about um, the weather and just the people there she really enjoyed. And she made a really good friend named Sarah. And Sarah had all these weird traditions. She was like, Sarah, what are you doing? It turns out Sarah was Jewish. Now, Zosia was Catholic. And so that's really interesting because she don't, she didn't know like what Sarah was mm-hmm. doing when they were like 10. Um, but she thought it was really interesting. And she loved coming over and um, being involved in the traditions. The family would welcome her with open arms um, just because she was so intrigued. Um, so they were still really poor the first while they were there. They had to cut a lot of corners. And she made it through, like, the elementary level or, like, the first whatever it is. But then she ended up almost not being able to go to secondary school until she ended up getting a scholarship. So she was really grateful for that because that did allow her to continue her education. Um, but at this time in her life, she loved theater, art. She loved to sing and dance. And she, her goal in life was to be an actress. Mm. So she had really... Related dreams. Yeah. Big she, dreams. she had big dreams and she was so excited to just grow up and, and do those things. And um, so after finishing secondary school, she decided to go to the University of Warsaw, Warsaw, where she decided to enroll in Polish studies. Um, she was really, like I said, super excited to just continue her life and, and start her like adulthood yeah. and just kind of grow up. Um, so then the rumors of war started to like surface of Germany and and what was going on. And she did not hesitate to help. She loved her country so much and she was so excited. She signed up as a paramedic to care for the wounded wounded Polish soldiers. And, um, but the Polish troops did have to surrender a few weeks after the German attack because it was just, they weren't prepared enough and it, Mm -hmm. the German wanted it. So they Mm -hmm. just, they had to, um, they had to surrender. But in January of 1940, Sophia decided to go underground with one of her friends, and she joined the resistance movement, the Union of the Armed Struggle. She was a courier, a courier, courier in Warsaw, and she later covered territory of the Eastern General Government. So her and her friend again, they joined the resistance together, um, and she said, "This is a quote from her. She said that was a matter of course for me. She just knew that's what she had to do, um, and she just felt so passionate about." about this that she was like i had of course i would do that that's of course what i would do Um, and as women they would be less noticeable to be out on the streets because if you were a man they'd be like why aren't you out fighting so they were very able they were able to go in and out of places and 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 share the secrets um of the german and such but she did have one rule she did say she would never kill anyone which was her one rule and the resistance still let her in which she was surprised by that but she was Mm -hmm. very relieved that they we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Gestapo knew of them, the under the the Union of the Armed Struggle. And on March 19th, 1941, they caught Zosia. And she was taken into custody at Piowak. Mm. 
um, yep. prison, but she was there for one week. That's the same prison that yep. um, Wanda Annie's was Wanda yep. was taken to. Yes. And um, she was put in a cell within, with, she, in this interview I watched, she goes, she said, I was put in a cell with an actress. So she said, I was never bored. There was always <laughs> drama. There was always something to talk about. I was very interested in her life. So she was like, at least I wasn't bored. Um, but then she was sent to Lublin, where she was tortured at the Pod Zegarium, otherwise known as the Under the Clock Prison. Mm. And this prison was packed, 50 people in one cell sometimes, and they were all regularly beaten. Um, she claimed she was lucky because she would pass out very quickly from pain. And so mm. they wouldn't want to beat her to death because they would want her to continue giving mm. names. Oh. So she would get um, beat for a little bit, but then she would pass out and she would just get to go back to the cell. Um, so she considered herself very lucky. And one day her mother heard that she was in the prison and her mother couldn't do anything to get her out, but she was able to see Sophia, like just through like a, a prison like gate or a wall. Mm -hmm. And Sophia um, remembered and, and claimed that that gave her so much strength to continue, yeah. continue yeah. on and continue her fight. Um, and so that helped her stay strong. Um, so just like Annie's, Wanda. the person Annie talks mm -hmm. about, yes, Wanda, she was sentenced to death but sent to Ravensbrook on like the, the death train, yep. but she did survive. Mm -hmm. So she just, something happened and she made her way through the camp. And on September 23rd, 1941, she was sent to Ravensbrook and her prisoner, she was given a prison number. And so that's when like, it really hit her that like, maybe she was going to be like, okay there for a little bit. That was her mm -hmm. first bit of hope. Um, but she worked in the applied arts among other forced labor. A lot of her friends would take some of her work um, because like I said, she was a very creative artistic person. So she would secretly produce works of art all the time. Um, it was actually in the camp when she discovered her love for sculpting and she would use whatever she could find to sculpt something. They know of a lot of like toothbrush handles, like wooden toothbrush handles mm -hmm. that she would sculpt for her friends um, and other fellow prisoners. Um, but she would make crosses and medallions with religious and mythical designs for, for her friends and um, prison, fellow prisoners. But she had to hide the pocket knife she used because she was not allowed to have that. And so that Obviously. made like her little, yeah, her hay um, straw bed or whatever. Um, but she would also be creative in other ways. She loved to write poems. She would draw portraits of um, friends and fellow prisoners. And she even secretly wrote um, a play about Christmas that a group of friends and her got together on Christmas Eve. And like she directed and gave parts and they all performed it. That's and so, so that cute. Was like, yeah, that was a really nice moment that she had got she secretly got to have um but she did notice something was wrong and the interesting part about her is she was never a rabbit but she she knew something was wrong and she women were going missing and some were never seen again or where they were sent back with like you said crazy leg wounds or just mm -hmm. really ill and they were healthy women leaving and so she's like what is her and some of her friends were like what is going on and so they eventually they discovered that SS doctors were per performing forced operations on them, mm -hmm. the rabbits as we know them now. And they also found out that Polish comrades were just being taken into the woods and just being shot because people were just disappearing like left and right. And yeah. Yeah, they had no idea. And so they needed to do something. And they, of course, couldn't like just waltz in and be like, hey, stop. You know, that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have formed. Right. <laughs> um, but they had to do something. So they would make lists of names of women who went missing or had, you know, surgery. And they would write letters to friends in the other camps and in poems, and they would describe the living conditions and the names of the women and prisoners who were going missing. Um, and they would hide them and send them to friends. And they were all definitely risking everything yeah. to 
even try to document what was going on. And so, but they knew they had to do something. Um, so they would smuggle the evidence. They had to smuggle it somewhere. They had to smuggle it out. They needed to hide it. So it could hopefully be preserved mm-hmm. until the end of the war. And so every week, Zofia, with a few others, would transport food from a nearby storage um, facility to Ravensbrook. And they made friends with the men prisoners there. Mm-hmm. who had, They had a little more freedom than the women did at the camp. Um, so they would leave the letters and lists in like a secret hiding place. Mm-hmm. And then one of the men would come get it and hide it in a more secure place that they knew of. And so they could just kind of stay there. Uh, but they would do this every week and they would take you know, all the letters and the lists they were writing and they would give mm-hmm. them to the, the men. And um, it was known that Zofia wrote the most poems. She wrote the most lists. She was like so invested in these women and just so concerned, which of course, but it's just so amazing how brave she was being because they, she was quoted um, just like being like, we didn't care you know, if we died, we would, we were already not doing right. well. So we might as well fight for, for the people who couldn't fight for themselves. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. might as well um, be their voice while, while they're struggling. And so sh- they were all willing um, to die as long as, as long as people would eventually find out about the horrors of what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she lived there for three and a half years in Ravensbrook. And then finally um, they were freed and she was able to go back home to Warsaw where her family was and she hadn't seen her family of course since she saw her mother but the rest of her family she just hadn't seen since you know, when she was in, in college mm-hmm. and so she went back to her home in Warsaw and Warsaw had just been destroyed by the Germans because yeah. they just went through and they destroyed everything and when she got home her mother and her aunt were the only survivors um, mm-hmm. her father died to a heart condition just mm-hmm. like before she went she went to the camp so she was in prison and she she was very upset, you know, because she never got to say right. goodbye. Yeah, yeah, that would be hard. It was heartbreaking. Um, but then she did complete her studies at the Fine Arts of or at the Academy of Fine Arts in Warsaw and became a very well known sculptor. Um, she had exhibitions in South Africa, America, Germany, Italy, and France. She was a sculpt she had a sculpture located in the museum in Pawak, um, which was the former prison she was at. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, really cool that that she was able to live that through is, that. That's super powerful. And then, yeah, it's very powerful. And she also created two sculpture, sculptures for the Polish Memorial Memorial Room um, at Ravensbrook. So I think that's also very cool. Yeah. Um, but she continued to write and recite poetry, even communicating the poetry that was written inside of the camp to the outside world. So again, she was able to get her hands on what she had written in the camp, talking about the conditions and, and the people going missing. And um, as she told her story, around the world, she was able to use those exact poems, which I think, again, is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though it was a miserable time in her life being at the camp, she does credit that to discovering her her super creative, right. you know, tendencies in her, her ability mm-hmm. to do that. And she, and she does give all that, or a lot of that credit mm-hmm. to that awful, horrible time. But, it, um, it speaks to, like, her dedication oh, to her God. art that, like, that's when she found it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's... And that even in all that, she was like, I'm going to carve toothbrushes. Like, I'm going to yeah, do she, what I can. She would, and she took every little scrap of paper she could, and mm-hmm. she did right. everything she could to to just be able to just doodle something or make or be creative or anything, really. So I think it's amazing. But um, she kept in touch with a lot of her friends from the camp, 
and most of them held on to the things she created for them. Oh, so, so I know sweet. there's, yeah, there was a lot of women that held on to their toothbrushes and held on to those little tiny scraps of paper that had a portrait of them from the camp. And, um, and I think that's incredible. I just keep saying everything's amazing, but the things that they did uh, are just un unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I can't even wrap my head. And like, even though the stuff that she probably made for them was like so small and like minuscule, mm -hmm. but, but like it probably it meant, meant so much. much. Yeah, yeah, it meant so much to these women, especially when when their little tiny wood toothbrush just had a teeny mm -hmm. tiny cross carved in it. Yeah, right. I read a few stories um, about women who who would who got them. Um, dipped in gold and they would wear them oh, as necklaces oh, so gorgeous. so they were with them all the time right that was like even though it was something so small mm -hmm. and so minuscule mm -hmm. it was something that meant so much to them because mm -hmm. it it just it meant so much and so i think that's beautiful that that happened yeah. um, but she continued creating and sculpting and even in her um 90s um, she was going like blind mm -hmm. but she would continue to sculpt because she just had such a gift she could feel she could feel it out she mm -hmm. could just and she just it was her passion so she never stopped um, mm -hmm. until she did pass away on may 8th in 2019. Mm -hmm. but, but she's lived a really long life yeah and is, she did yeah, she got married somewhere in there but um right. of course after being out of the camp but she got married and i couldn't find anything about kids but maybe yeah. but yeah but she did she lived an amazing life especially from where she came from but yeah she's never a rabbit but i think what she did no, in the yeah, camp for and sure. for those women yeah that was a cool take that you I know, I thought it was With a cool our, perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it adds a lot to yeah, the yeah, other it stories. It gives you different especially, perspectives of each, yeah. you know. Especially because, well, you'll hear at the end of my story, but I think our women might have actually met. Fun fact. So <laughs> They might have, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell mine now, and mine is Dr. Wanda Holyatska. <laughs> Again, I don't speak Polish. We just learned about the L with the line through it being a W. But then I don't know what sound the other W yeah. in her name makes. Oh, I think it's like, it's like a, a V. V sound, so yeah. it'd be Poyotavska, if that's correct. That, was, that, that sounded, sounded good. That sounded okay, promising. okay. Yeah. So um, I start my story when Wanda was the equivalent of a senior in high school. That's when Hitler invades Poland. So she's our age when her story kind of gets going. And she's in prison for being a girl guide, which is the equivalent of like the Girl Scouts here. The Polish had the Girl Guides and it's actually international. That's what they call it in Europe. Um, and the Polish resistance was one of the biggest ones in all of Europe and the guides joined in incredibly high numbers. So these Girl Scouts outnumbered the Boy Scouts. They outnumbered just like basically any other group that was in the resistance. And it kind of makes sense because these girls are like a representation of Polish culture and they already have this scouting knowledge and this first aid training. And so when I was looking, there's all these pictures of these Girl Scouts and they're just like normal eight to 16 year olds. And they're standing in tents in their little uniforms and their braids, just like you would think of our school Girl Scouts, but they're like holding rifles. And like, it's it's insane, the, the pictures, yes. Yeah. And so younger guides um, obviously did simpler stuff. They would run newspaper routes, they'd learn basic first aid, and they were really good at decoding messages. And then these older girls that are like our age start smuggling guns, blowing up bridges, and then they would run orphanages like by themselves. Um, and so I have a quote from Wanda here. Um, Poland immediately defended itself. It was not like we gave up because we lost the war. There was a resistance movement from the very beginning. I bought guns, money, and flyers for my chief, not just me, the other girls too. 
I had my scouting power. The whole team, the team of scouts from school joined the conspiracy. I made an oath and I was ready to die for my country. So this thing about the oath is really impactful to me because they go from just these normal eight-year-old girls, like we have siblings that age, and they became Nazi hunters. And more impactfully, they became Nazi hunted. Like these girls became immediate targets. Yeah. And so these Nazis were having to hunt down these eight-year-old girls. And um, a lot of them became prisoners of war, which is kind of what you guys were saying, like they were being sent to Ravensbrook on death row because they were political prisoners. And so I have another quote here. Um, 40% of the women that were um, imprisoned in Polish camps were political prisoners in Ravensbrook. So this is just another one to show how many of the people that were here weren't just like normal teenage girls that were kidnapped. They were there because they had been fighting. And so this is where I'm going to start to talk about the doctor that performed on Wanda. So this is a quote from Wanda about her doctor. So for many years, Himmler and his family had a private physician, Dr. Gebhardt. I don't know if that's correct. It's German. But um, so he was later charged for war crimes and crimes against humanity um, at Nuremberg. And you could say he got a gift from Himmler, a group of girls sentenced to death by the Lublin Gestapo and some by the Warsaw, Warsaw Gestapo. So Gebhardt was just like a normal medicine doctor before the rabbits. And then obviously he ended up at Nuremberg charged for war crimes. And so when Wanda gets to the camp, she's actually in the first batch of the five or six girls that were called to the front and they thought they were just gonna get shot, you know? But um, they brought them to this small hospital and they actually got like a bath and nightgowns and fed. And they keep asking what's gonna happen. And they're confused because like Annie said, like they were healthy girls, like no one knew why they were there. They weren't sick in any way. Um, but obviously we know why they were there. And Wanda tells this story about how the officers gave them the nickname of guinea pigs. And it's because when she was laying down on the operation table, she looked at Dr. Heinz Fischer um, and he, she said to him in German, I'm not a guinea pig, I'm a human being. And that stuck. And so that's why they, one of the nicknames besides rabbits was guinea pig. And it's because Wanda said that to him. And she actually only ever refers to them as guinea pigs. She never uses rabbits, which I thought was really interesting. I don't exactly know why. But um, she talks about how they would give them injuries in the leg and let it get infected and then not tend to them, even in like the hot summer, like there's bugs, like they're obviously not clean, but this is kind of what happened across the board, you know? Her injuries, luckily, they like got to her bone, but they didn't really go in the bone marrow. So while it still took like decades to heal, she didn't lose her leg entirely. Like some women had no soft tissue left by the time they got out. And so according to Wanda, what makes Ravensbrook different is the same reason that I found Wanda's story so interesting. And it's the girl guides. So the girls were not average citizens. Like I've established, they were prisoners of war there. And so what the Nazis had essentially done was filled a camp with girls that were already trained in codes, guides, and smuggling. And so it's really no wonder that so many of the rabbits survived because they were yeah. there. Both of your guys' stories talked about how they would hide them and how they'd write their letters because they already knew how to do all that. Yeah, and so, system. yeah. So when the Nazis can tell the war is over and it's not going to end in their favor, 
Um, they try to liquidate the camp, and that means getting rid of war crimes and the rabbits. And so the other girls at Ravensbrook were not going to let that happen, and they can tell what's going to happen. And so this is why I said our women might have met Abby is because the night before they tried to kill all the rabbits, they all stood up, like stayed up all night writing goodbye letters and smuggled them out of the camp. Yeah. And I think that's so funny that like we both had stories about that. Connected to- and then this is kind of what Annie said is all the other inmates broke them out of the infirmary and hid them for three mm-hmm. months. Yep. These girls were just like, everyone knew which ones were rabbits and they still found a way to hide all of them. Mm-hmm. And so there were 63 rabbits in hiding that went into hiding at the time of liquidation. Not one of them was ratted out. They all got out. Mm-hmm. And so that's the story. It's obviously really interesting for many reasons because, oh, and then at the end, to so you know Wanda's history after that, she actually becomes a doctor. She didn't want to be a doctor. She wanted to be something in the social sciences when she was young. But um, after what she went through and after what she saw the other girls go through, she gets this passion for medicine and she becomes a doctor and a political activist. Like she was friends with the Pope. She's she's done a lot, accomplished a lot in her life. But um, I guess that's my story. I really liked this one just because talking about the girl guides at the beginning and what they accomplished and then especially what they accomplished at the end, like this self-preservation and this like instinct to help each other no matter what. I think it was really interesting. I think we all kind of had hints of that in our stories. It's really cool. It's so amazing that she became like a doctor after everything. I thought that was really cool too. And the way they all like, like I said, they're a giant community of of women and the Mm -hmm. fact that they all hid them and it was success successful for the most part is amazing. I think it is, especially because like we've all said, they went there with death sentences and the fact that they all, the majority of them survived and the majority of them live very old. Like Mm -hmm. I had a picture of my Wanda um, at a meeting of all the rabbits (laughs) because we had two Wandas, but I had a picture of my Wanda um, at a meeting with all the other rabbits and they all had roses and they were like, it just, there's so many of these and they're Mm -hmm. just little old ladies now, but the stuff they went through it, like eight, nine years old. I can't imagine being a Nazi prisoner of war when you were just selling Girl Scout cookies a couple days ago, you know? Like seeing pictures of them like later on in life, unless they were like really badly tortured, you wouldn't ever know that no. anything happened to them. It's so, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's all of our stories. Yeah. What did you guys, what did we learn? What did we take away as a little conclusion? Um, The women that went through Ravensbrook and through most of the Holocaust, but just in that that camp specifically, because that's what we talked about, are some of the most amazing, powerful, mm-hmm. brave mm-hmm. women yeah. I've ever heard of. And it was the little things that stuck with all of them. Yeah. Yes. Like like my Wanda's friend trying to get her water on her mm-hmm. one good leg, and then Abby's their like, little like their necklaces, little their toothbrushes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the little things, and it was each other. It was right. the fact that so quickly they were ready to just die for each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like that bond of sisterhood that's kind of irreplaceable. It's amazing. Well, guys, that was our podcast. We thank you for listening and hope that you learned something new about the rabbits and some of the unknown survivors and heroes of the Holocaust.